This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Holy cow. Uh, just need to shake things up. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. There is a story today that Donald Trump is expected to meet with his potential cabinet picks. If indeed that does happen today, Donald Trump will already have met with his cabinet more times than Barack Obama has ever met with his cabinet. And I think that deserves a round of applause. We've already broken the record. Um, We want to talk a little bit about that, uh, the media, and what they're ignoring with the, the potential DNC chair is why the media has zero trust. And if we are going to survive, if we are going to change this, the media must change itself. We'll get into Keith Ellison and what he said in 2007. You want to talk about a conspiracy theorist? He's about to be made the chairman of the DNC. Are we going to continue down this road? And for anybody who thinks that a cashless society is just a pipe dream, wait until you hear what Citibank has now done in Australia. City has just issued this week. They are no longer accepting cash at any of their branches in Australia. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we are one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are one. This is absolutely... Incredible. Less than a week after India's surprise move to scrap its highest denomination cash notes, another war on cash has intensified now in Australia. Yesterday, the banking giant UBS proposed that eliminating Australia's $150 bills would be good for the economy and good for the banks. Now, here in America, We've been hearing, and nobody in the mainstream media is talking about this, and I'm telling you there's going to come a time, I promise you this, there's going to come a time that no one will be talking about this, and within two weeks, it will be the only thing that anyone is talking about. America going cashless. Yesterday, they said that, uh, UBS said that it would be good for the economy and good for the banks. The reason why they say it will be good for the economy uh, is because you'll stop any black market. You'll stop the, uh, you know, drug trade, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And good for the banks 
because the banks won't have to handle all that money. It'll all be digits. This is the real reason, I'm sorry, no, this is one of the real reasons why this is happening, is because it will save the banks a lot of money. And remember, the banks are the ones who are ruling the world. But you want to talk about true power. True power comes from everyone knowing exactly where you've spent your money, every penny, you not having the ability to make any transaction at all in cash. So somebody wants to stop you, all they have to do is freeze your funds. All they have to do is wipe out your bank account. In a time where our Pentagon is being hacked by the Russians, the banks are saying, let's digitize everything. You want to wipe out the debt? You want to wipe out the trillion dollars of debt? Digitize everything and then have some catastrophic failure. Well, I guess we all have to start over again. Well, I guess everything's been equalized now. Yes? Isn't that the plot for Mr. Robot? Yes, it is. (laughs) Essentially. In September 2015, Australian bank Westpac published its free credit report It's cash-free credit report, suggesting that the country would become cashless by 2022. In July 2016, Australian payments from Tyro published an enormously self-serving blog uh, uh, touting the benefits of a cashless society, saying, quote, it's only a matter of time. The media and the political establishments have now chimed in as well. Two days ago, Citibank, yes, the Citibank that we have, announced it was going cashless at its Australian branches. In February of this year, Sydney Morning Herald released a series of articles, some of which were written by officials from Australia's Department of Treasury, suggesting that eliminating cash will save billions of dollars and moving to a cashless society is the next step, is the next step for the Australian dollar. The government, media, and banks, and academia now have formed a single unified chorus to push the idea to consumers that cashless is good for everyone. And it's happening across the planet now. Australia, India, Europe, and in North America. Partially right. Going cashless will save a lot of money. Paper currency is costly to transport in large quantities due to the need of security. But it is also accurate to suggest that going cashless will be good for the banks. As UBS pointed out yesterday, demonetizing, demonetizing Australia, uh, Australia's 50 and $100 bills would force anyone holding those notes to deposit them back into the banking system. So bank deposits would rise as a result. So would bank profits. Now let me think. If we're going to negative interest rates, which means that I would want to pull my money out of the bank because it's costing me money to put it in the bank. And that's the only way the bank survives is by bleeding me dry. What could the bank possibly do? Well, if I'm taking my money out because they're giving me a haircut, they're just taking to 
one, two, three percent, or if the government so deems it, 10 percent of whatever I have in my bank, I could either take my money out or the banks could make it so I couldn't take my money out. Now, they're already doing that by saying you can't make a big deposit or I mean a, a, a large uh, withdrawal. They're already trying to make it impossible. But this traps the money because your money won't have any value on the street. It's not like if you have the money, I can still go out and buy things. I take it out of the bank. No, no, no. They will outlaw all cash transactions. So no one will take cash and cash will have zero meaning. So it would be like trading in toilet paper. That way, I have to do business with the bank. They are able then to give all of us a haircut because all of us have to have our money in the bank. And every transaction you ever make will be tracked. So you want to close- you ever wanted to be off the grid for whatever reason, you, you can't. can't be. You just if can't you, be. If you want to, let's say, close the uh, loophole on, I want to sell my gun to my friend, Steve, for $200. That's totally legal to do. A gun show loophole. I'm just a private citizen, and I'm selling my private, I'm selling like a chair, and I'm selling it to this guy. You don't have to worry about that gun show loophole anymore because I won't be able to sell even my car on the street with a sign that says, for sale, call this number. I can't say it's $800, just give me $800, and I'll give you the title of the car and go drive away. He won't have the $800. I will have to go to a bank who will then be paid to make that transaction for me. Even policy wonk academics would have the rare opportunity to take their lousy theories and PhD dissertations for a test drive. This means your politicians have more control over your savings and fewer obstacles to impose capital controls and engage in civil asset forfeiture. Remember what we were fighting against a year ago or so? Civil asset forfeiture, where already the government is just taking it mm-hmm. and saying, well, we don't know where this money came from. Oh, well, you have been charged with a crime, so we're just going to take it from you. And then you're guilty. They don't give it back. You have to go to court to get it back from them. Prove that you're not a criminal. Prove that you're not a criminal. Prove that that money, prove that that asset was yours. And we've been railing on this saying this is a really dangerous precedent. Well, what happens when somebody wants to stop you and nothing, nothing is of value except a digit? You are an absolute slave to the system. Well, you want to talk about Bitcoin going through the roof and gold. It is up, by the way. (laughs) Bitcoin is up? Yeah, yeah. Um, cash is one of the few remaining options for financial privacy that doesn't create a permanent record of every purchase or transaction you make. It's also an easy way to reduce your exposure to risk in the broader financial system. Think about this. The banking system is full of institutions that never miss an opportunity to demonstrate they can't be trusted with our money. Hardly a month goes by without some major banking scandal. They're caught colluding on exchange rates, manipulating interest rates, fraudulently establishing uh, fraudulent accounts, um, it's disgraceful. 
In many banking systems across the world, especially in Europe right now, banks have precariously low levels of capital and already suffering the effects of negative interest rates. In the United States, banks routinely employ very clever accounting tricks to conceal their true financial condition. You won't have a say in the matter. Here's what could happen. And all of these things are contingent on a thousand different things. And it doesn't have to be this way. But what could happen is a a major global financial disaster where the markets all around the world are hit and hit hard. A global banking holiday where everything has shifted so much they've got to get a handle on the global markets because somebody hacked into the market, somebody did something wrong, somebody made a policy that was bad, a a country collapsed, there was a terrorist strike. It doesn't matter what happened. But there is a global impact on the markets. And we have a global depression and a collapse of confidence in the banks, in the governments, and in currency. And so the government says, banking holiday, okay, we're set. Two weeks later, everybody bring all cash in. We're banning all cash. Bring it in. And we're resetting this as a global market, global cash. It's all in digits. And by the way, if you don't bring your cash in and you're caught trying to buy anything in cash, you're trying to buy anything without digits, you'll be thrown into jail. It's pretty much what happened in the Great Depression. Don't think that it can't happen Now, this is the kind of thing all you need is an excuse. What is, you know, I just asked the the financial advisor that we had on yesterday or day before. I said, so is there another TARP? Yeah, it's this. What's going to save the banks? Because the minute you get scared, you're going to pull your money out. And then it all collapses. Well, They already have the right. Check your bank. Call your bank. Ask for the fine print. Almost all of the banks have changed their fine print to where a bail-in is now their right. That if the bank becomes insolvent, they can take the same percentage of everybody's account to pay off the debts that they have. So you're the last line You're the last creditor that they have to pay. You think that you're the first creditor because what you're doing is you are loaning your hard-earned money to the bank. The bank then takes that and makes more money on your money by lending that money out to somebody else. But the bank also has made investments in the stock market, in 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 mutual funds, in treasuries, in in all kinds of different things. So they've made investments. They've also 
made loans to other people that they can't cover if everybody starts to default on their loans. So there's a hierarchy of who gets paid back. You are now the creditor of last resort. You are the last person the bank has to uh, pay back. You lose your money. And that's all in, the, in, the, in writing now. If they want to make sure the rich get richer, if you want to see the biggest heist in human history, it's this. Force everyone to put their money into the bank and then they'll pay off who they will and then they'll divvy the rest out to you. More in just a second. Our sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. Jeez, I mean, you want to talk about what, what, what privacy do you have? Here we are looking at, I mean, I just saw something from the NSA. What a surprise. They're now coming out and saying Russia hacked into our Servers, Russia hacked in and played games with our election. We told you they would say that. We told you that was probably happening. Now we're thinking about turning our bank, all of the money over to the banks. How are you going to keep that secure? How do you keep your life secure? One of the world's largest social media sites facing multi-billion dollar class action lawsuit for invading your privacy. The use of facial scanning technology to tag people in photos has now raised concerns about exposure to identity theft because the image of you is more valuable than your credit card number. Do you have LifeLock? If you're a LifeLock member, you become a victim of identity theft Their U.S.-based team will work to resolve your case. Free credit monitoring will only detect credit problems. LifeLock helps detect and fix identity problems. No one can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but with LifeLock, you have the best protection. Go there now for a special 15% discount. Go to LifeLock.com at 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BEC15. That's BEC15. Save 15%. The offer ends December 31st, 1-800-440-4936, 1-800-440-4936, offer code BEC15. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be macho, I have made my choice, we will overcome, cause we have one. Mercury. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine, and they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep, casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, $50 off the purchase of your mattress at casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. 
casper.com slash glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, it's it's really amazing how this has just creeped up on the world. And what have we been doing? We have been arguing over... Other things? Nonsense. No, not even other things. We're not even talking. We haven't been arguing for the last year and a half about anything important. Yeah. We've been arguing uh, uh, about, um, you know, Miss Universe. Mm Mm-hmm. We haven't been talking about anything important. And look at what's happened this week in what have we have we who's we? I mean, I I know, I know, I know, I know. know, I'm saying the Western world, generally speaking, the Western world and people and especially North America has not been paying attention to what's happening. And and people really Australia that this is happening at Citibank branches in Australia. You think, ah, that's Australia. I want to make sure make sure it's clear. I want to clarify something. This is not all branches. I thought it was yeah, all branches. It's some it's, branches. It's some branches. So they're just starting this now at Citibank. But it, they say the government, media banks, and even academia have formed this single unified chorus to push yeah. the idea to cus- consumers. Cashless is good for everybody. And it's happening across the planet right. from Australia to India, Europe to North America. This well, isn't limited to India. Australia. Nobody's paying attention to what's happening in India. I mean, gold prices in India shot through the roof because they didn't go cashless. They just took everything over a $50 bill, and it almost stopped the country. This week, they just did it. This cashless society is closer than any of us think. And if you think somebody's not going to, they're going to let a crisis go to waste, you're mistaken. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Florida. Hello, Dave. Yes. Hi, welcome. Thank you. You you called in for a, a reason, Dave? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> it's did. It's your turn. Uh, You're on. Uh, I just came back from India uh, day yes. before yesterday. Yes. And uh, you're talking about the crisis in money and them doing away with, with cash. Uh, it's already started in India. Yeah. They did away with the uh, 10,000 and the 1,000 rupee note. That is like a fi- that, that's like a fifty and a one hundred dollar bill there. No, no, it's like a seven dollar bill and a and a and a forty dollar bill. It's nothing. Wow! wow. Uh, and you should you should wow. see the lines at the banks. They've got like every little town has like fifty, sixty banks and bank branches. The poor people are lined up right out the walls. They gave them uh, just a few days to cash in their money into the smaller notes. Which is the, the hundred rupee note? It's nothing. Uh, mm. Six dollars, I think. But anyway, the uh, the so whole the hundred. Wait, 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 wait. The hundred rupee note is like a dollar. No, it's like I think it's six dollars. 
You divide okay. it by 62. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it gives you the dollar amount. Why are they saying they're doing this in India? Uh, what, well, what is the, the excuse they're using? The head, the head guy in the country, he's from Gujarat in uh, northwest India, and he says they want to eventually do away with cash. Uh, it'd be a cashless society. Why? They've, al- why? they've already issued they've already issued credit cards to the very very poor, um, mm. and they put so much in their in their bank account per month. Mm. Um, but the the working right. poor are just We've been kicked doing out that. on the street, and they're using the excuse of um, to get rid of black money, which they're calling criminals yeah. who are holding on to large quantities yeah. of cash. Yeah. We also excuse. heard. We also heard you can't withdraw any more than $36 a day. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. That's correct. So you can't go to the bank and take out more than $36 a day at the bank. This gives yes. the Dick bank Holden, and the yes. government absolute total control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and after, uh, after like two weeks, uh, all of the, the large bills are done away with. Hmm. It's interesting, too. One of the ways that they're thinking they might try to push this, because obviously conservatives would typically be very resistant to this type of thing. Um, But one of the ways they're talking about is you shut down illegal immigration with it. You get rid of the cash. If if the cashless society. Oh, I know. uh, They're going to be all kinds of society. It's going to help. They're going to say if it's going to stop illegal immigration because they're not going to be able to spend their cash Mm -hmm. and we're going to be able to track them and we're going to be able to solve that problem. Um, there's yeah, going to be a lot of arguments. Everybody made. who's here, a credit card. Right. And that's then, the deal. And, of course, other crimes, drug dealing and everything else. Well, then, yeah, and you look around in America. I, my business is in a, a poor neighborhood. Uh, they already issue credit cards to the very, very poor. Yes, they do. Right. Been doing that and, for a while, though. This is not a thing in our nation alone. This has started overseas. And oh, they can I know. push it off on the Indian people very easy because they're very gentle and uh, really very giving people. Yeah. And they, they have a tendency to believe anything their government tells them. Dave, thank you very much. I, I appreciate your phone call. Now, this is in this. Wow. Is, we're talking about this because this is this happened this week in India and it is now happening next week in Australia. And we should point out, you, you mentioned the uh, rupee, the the. The, the currency of yeah. uh, of India, um, the actual currency of, you mentioned earlier was the roofie, which is Jeffy's currency. That's yes. a totally different thing. I didn't call it a roofie. Yeah, <laughs> you called it the roofie, I believe. <laughs> uh, and I want to make sure people know that I'm, the th- I'm sitting people. too close to Jeffy. <laughs> roofie, that's all he deals in. How many roofies is that one, Jeffy? <laughs> this is this is. Um. This will show you um, how much of a, um, a pawn all of us really are. Um, because if this happens, your personal sovereignty is pretty gone. Well, I mean, and that's you work in the system or you don't. You're, you're either part, you're either. Uh, uh, a cog or a wheel in the system, or you're not anything. I mean, I hate to go to Book of Revelation, but you want to talk about the mark of the beast, what is that? You, there's no buying, selling, you're non-entity unless you receive the mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell or trade or anything. Well, that's, I mean, I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast. I'm just saying this is the step towards it. And let's be clear, you do not hate going to the Book of Revelation. 
Um, Thank you. We should be clear about that. That is a false statement uh, in every way possible. Uh, (laughs) I am trying to learn from all of my lessons that uh, the things don't have to be just because they look a certain way. They don't have to end that. It doesn't necessarily mean what it could lead to. Yes. It doesn't mean it will go to that. Yes. In fact, all the worst examples we talk about, when you talk about worst case scenarios, this is an important point to me because you do this all the time and we don't always I'm a catastrophist. It. Right. So I always look to the worst case scenario. Right. And there have been a hundred, let's just use this as a generic example. There have been a hundred, a thousand people who have started out down the road of Adolf Hitler. Only one of them ended there. Yes. The, mo- the overwhelming majority of possibilities Some turn of them, out not as bad right. as the worst case. Some of them turn out to be Mussolini. Some of them do, but some of them turn out to be people who are defeated in four years and never get heard of again. Yes. Some of the people go and have heart attacks and get, or hit, up, hit by a bus the next week and nothing exactly happens right. from them. Exactly a few right. of them have just turned out to be Pol Pot, Joe right. Stalin, and, and uh, Chairman Mao. Right. Exactly. But how so, many? <laughs> they're not all. Some of them are much, Hitler. much worse than Hitler. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm currently reading a Hitler Ascent, uh, this book, uh, which is, you know, it's like a thousand page, the new, like, big, uh, you know, biography on Hitler. And he was in a group with a thousand people like him. Mm-hmm. You know, a thousand people you could have ca- talked to at the time and thought they might turn into Hitler. Almost all of them didn't. In fact, he wound up killing half of them later on. Um, but these things, look, the, you're talking about a worst case scenario. And it's, the, it's actually the perfect description of it. Yes. It's not it's not something that we think is always going to be common or definitely going to happen. But the point is, when you think the end of the road could be that bad, you try not to walk down the road. Well, mm-hmm. here's why this this is why this is so bad. Um, tell me what 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 is the average person's understanding of I don't want a global community. What is the average person saying with that i don't want a global community you mean like one world you know, the globalist okay yeah. the average person government. right yeah, they don't want one world government right. they don't want to lose their identity they don't they don't hate mexico or canada but, but they, they don't like want America. the country gobbled up into one into one giant thing. And, and not even one giant evil you know end of the world scenario pole pot thing just I, I don't want the EU. The EU isn't necessarily evil or anything else. It's just not, I'm not, now I've lost my identity as a German. And one of the things that has really bothered them is they're losing their sovereignty. They're losing their heritage. They're also losing the power of their own currency. So they're just lumped in with everyone else. So Germany is no different than Greece. And whatever Greece does, Germany has to pay for well, the Germans don't like that. Now, if you take away the euro and replace it with digits, okay, we're going to get rid of the euro, but we're going to one global currency. Who the hell is for that? Except for the people who make the money or run the banks. Nobody's for that. And that makes me an, a massive anti-globalist. That's that's going to you are going to um, cause revolution everywhere, everywhere, because I'll tell you how this, I think, happens. One scenario, if I may think out loud. You have another 2008. You can't the, the Federal Reserve has already said they cannot print. They have to print 
for a recession, not a 2008, for a recession, the Fed, if they want to ease monetarily, they will have to print $4 trillion in the first printing and dump it into the system. Okay, now obviously they don't mean printing, I mean digits, but I know this is going to be picked apart in a thousand different ways, so I want to be careful. They're not actually talking about printing, they're talking about digitizing. To me, there's no difference. They would have to release $4 trillion to the banks to try to pump the economy. That's in a recession. That's according to the own, their own white paper. So what happens if we have a 2008 disruption, which the banks now... There are fewer of them, and they're even bigger than they were. The debt is many times greater than it was in 2008, and all of us have debt. There comes a huge economic shock like 2008. You can't stop it this time except for shutting down all the banks, all of the stock markets, shut the entire system off, and say, okay, we need a cooling period for everybody. And in that cooling period, they will say, okay, how do we turn this back on? Well, you can't turn it back on because once you turn it back on, everybody will run to the banks and take their money out of the banks because they know this system isn't working anymore. My guess is, looking for the next bailout for the banks is this. Look, we're already going to a cashless society. Australia's already done it. It, uh, um, uh, Germany is already starting to do it. Sweden is already starting to do it. India is starting to do it. Let's just, just go cashless. We know that's the future. Just go cashless. Okay, everybody, come Monday, you're going to have to turn all of your cash into the bank. You'll have 10 days to do it. But after 10 days, there won't be any use for any cash. What do you do with the money that you have? Do you turn it into the bank? Or do you go out and you buy everything you can? I go out and I buy everything I can. Mm-hmm. Well, that stimulates the economy now, doesn't it? <laughs> for a very short period of time, for 10 days, you go out and you buy everything. And especially... Anything that you don't think you can buy without the bank. So in other words, I go out, I buy bullets. I buy my guns. I buy everything I don't want anybody tracking. Anything that I think that they can say, oh, you know what? Yeah, the system is down and you're not being able to, something's wrong with the system and we can't get that check through. Because remember, that's what Clinton was doing with the background checks. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. During the background checks in the 90s, and ask any gun dealer, the background checks, that they got, the computers are down again, and they'd be down forever. And then they'd come back up, okay, we can process those now. What were they doing? Discouraging sales. That mysteriously uh, stopped when George W. Bush took it. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. It was very weird. Mm -hmm. Stopped the day of the inauguration. There's plenty of things that they can do to circumvent the Second Amendment without going directly at the Second Amendment, which is futile for them. They know they can't get it done. But you know what? Are you secure in your papers and in your business and in your person? No. If somebody else has all of your money and and they they can track 
absolutely everything. It's not, well, it's not like it used to be. They can track absolutely everything instantaneously. Look at any, look at Jason Bourne movies. Oh, my God. The only way they ever get caught is somebody's used a credit card. Right. You want to talk about a Pol Pot coming to power, a, uh, a Hitler. You think, you think somebody over in Europe isn't going to say, oh, we can track all of those people now. All those Muslims, kill them all. Yeah, I mean, that's the, way it, that's the way Hitler dreamed of it. Being able to know exactly where everyone was. I just want to see the academic paper you put out with a footnote that says born identity at the end. <laughs> it's true. It's in Jason Bourne movies. Look at Jason Bourne movies. They always get caught by credit card. Well, not helpful. Would... <laughs> I'm trying not to be. I mean, we're talking about the loss of donuts, of being able to do- buy what? donuts. Well, why didn't you say your, that at the beginning? wife knowing it. Oh, that's what's happening here today, by the way. Right? You can't, you can't go and buy something like donuts without your wife knowing it. Well, this is the problem with this. We should talk about this today. The problem with the season. Every day, just the walk from your, your car to the studio is you've got 19 <laughs> boxes of baked goods everywhere. Like every, everybody decides right around this time of year. I'm going to bake. I'm going to bake or I'm going to bring in. I'm going to buy. You know what? I'm my nice. I'm going to buy donuts. Making, my everyone. sister is making something we have to talk about next hour. A uh, pie cake And it is a chocolate cake with a fully baked pie in the center of it. Oh, my gosh. How do we Yeah, the pie cake Where is it? Uh, I'm going to show you a picture. She sent me a picture of it yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Thanksgiving's going to be good. <laughs> um, all right. Now this. When you decide to sell your home and you want to move, you want to sell it quickly. You have to sell it quickly and for the most money you can. And you don't want to deal with excuses. You want a real estate agent you can trust who will work for you, with you, sell your home on time and for the most amount of cash with no excuses. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Our goal is to connect you with an agent that can help you sell your home as quickly as possible and for the best price possible. Agents who are just like you, same kind of values, hardworking, and this is working. Houses are selling now that haven't been sitting on the market for a while. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven back. Mercury. The Glenn Beck program. Hello, America. Welcome to the uh, program. Let's go to Phil in California. Hello, Phil. Hi, how's it going, Glenn? Good. How are things in California? Well, pretty nice so far. (laughs) But uh, concerning the uh, point about the money being uh, got away with in Australia, I mean, didn't they take away their guns a couple years ago and make it confiscation part of their program? Yeah. Yes. Yes, they did. So I guess the Australians are kind of used to this, Um, used to just the government telling them exactly how they're going to live their life. I'm not sure unless there's a crisis America puts up with. This is the Glenn Beck Program. 
Mercury. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. There is, there's so much going on today. I, 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 I want to talk to you about Keith Ellison and the media. In fact, you know what? Forget everything else. I want to start there right now. To the media here for a second. The media has made me into a conspiracy theorist, and they will say, made you into one. You made yourself into one by saying things like the Muslim Brotherhood has a plan to take over America. Yes, it's called the Project. It was found by the U.S. government in, I believe, Germany right after September 11th. It outlines how to infiltrate the United States government, how to infiltrate businesses, how to turn us against our, uh, ourselves here in America. It's called the project. You can look it up. It didn't come from me. It came from the United States government. That's who found it. You don't cover those things. So when you say something like the Muslim Brotherhood has a plan to take over America, that sounds crazy. But once you look into the sources and you see what it is, well, then it's a different story. Well, the latest was you're a conspiracy theorist because you've said that George Soros paid for um, uh, protests. Story after story on that. Story after story after story on that. That that is out there. Now, I don't remember which protests he paid for, um, but his, uh, his organization does that. We know that in other countries, absolutely positively, he's on the record saying he does that. He's proud of it. it. Okay? So it's not a conspiracy theory. A conspiracy theory, to me, is what Keith Ellison said in 2007. Listen to the man that may be the head of the DNC and what he said about 9-11. Because remember 9-11, right? You would never have all this discrimination against religious minorities. Uh, and, but for 9-11, I mean, you, know, you had it, but you didn't have it to the degree that we have it now. All, 9-11 is this, is this juggernaut event in American history, and it, it allows, I mean, it's almost like, you know, the Reichstag fire kind of reminds me of that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but who benefited from 9-11? Well, I mean, you know, like you, you and I both know. Yeah, Bush. But, but the thing is, is Bush. that, you know, after the Reichstag was burned, they blamed the communists for it, and it put um, the leader of that country in a position where he could basically have authority to do whatever he wanted. 
Okay, so Keith Ellison is making the charge that Bush was the one who benefited from 9-11. So we could bring about religious discrimination? And the uh, Patriot Act and everything else. Now, you can say that the Patriot Act was there before there was a 9-11, but that doesn't mean that the Patriot Act, uh, that that 9-11 happened to pass the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act was written before 9-11, and it was going nowhere. Nobody, nobody wanted to do it. It was written in Virginia. Do you remember that? Stu, look that up. This is a really old fact from the deep recesses and cobwebs of my mind. Uh, when we were arguing it, we looked back, and it was written in Virginia by a couple of guys um, in, in Virginia, and they wanted pieces of the Patriot Act, and it, it didn't go anywhere. I think Joe Biden was even part of that. So the argument is, is that he's making the argument that 9-11 was blamed on somebody so they could go religious discrimination and they could soup everybody up and make them afraid. Well, that's a conspiracy theory. Show me the evidence of that. Now, if the press wants to have any credibility, you have called people on the right Hateful conspiracy theorists. Will you call out the person who is now going to be the head of the Democratic National Committee? Will you call him a conspiracy theorist? No. Not not in a million years. And if they don't, it again will just play into more resentment and more dissent and more. Donald Trump did not beat Hillary Clinton. He beat the press. He was running against the press. That's what he said. Now, you guys haven't even addressed why Hillary Clinton lost. I haven't seen one autopsy on Hillary Clinton and why she was the worst candidate of all time. The the Republicans have known this for a long time. She was the most beatable candidate you could have run. Which is what we said from the beginning. That was the one thing during this election cycle we were right about. Yes. (laughs) How bad Hillary Clinton. Anyone. I said my shoe could beat Hillary Clinton. She was the most beatable candidate. I haven't heard that from the media. They're not doing the autopsy there. All they're doing is they're talking about Donald Trump and And what a horrible disarray his cabinet picks are. First of all, he's ahead of every other president in his cabinet picks. It, it of course, is messy. Can you imagine how many picks you have to make in, what, 60 days? Yes, it's a mess. I'm sure it is. He didn't expect to be president, and I have this on good authority, until, I think it was 4.30 in the afternoon. They thought they were going to lose And at 4.30, somebody came to him and said, you know what? Things are actually in play. He didn't believe it until North Carolina came in and Florida. And when North Carolina and Florida came in and they were waiting so long on Connecticut and Pennsylvania, he looked at uh, one of his aides and said, we might win. They they were putting the, the, the... the pathway down for Trump TV, not the presidency. 
and he's still ahead of every other president appointing their cabinet members now. And what is the press doing? All they're saying is what a disarray it's in. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why don't you talk at all about the disarray the Democrats are in? What are the Democrats going to do? The Democrats have lost so many people in local, state, and federal locations. They've lost so much power because the popularity was Barack Obama, not his policies. They also, even people who voted for Hillary Clinton, 34% of those who voted for Hillary Clinton don't believe the press. They think the press was in the bag for Hillary Clinton, and they don't like it. 74% of the American people don't trust the press. The only thing left Democrats have is Richard Gebhardt. That's all they've got left. Wow. It's we, that's what America has. Yes. We look forward to Richard Gebhardt. That's and what's he going to be? Eighty nine. That doesn't. That's not one hundred and six. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's what we have left. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, yeah, there's a so Biden wrote something after uh, his after the Oklahoma City bombing that had several of the, the pieces that would later go into the Patriot Act. Uh, it was a nineteen ninety five bill. Um, CNET referred to it as uh, its cousin, the Patriots Act, Patriot Act's cousin. Uh, so it was similar. And this is the one that was written in Virginia with a group of governors or something like that. Uh, no, I was looking for the Biden part. I don't have yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, so the, but whatever. There, I mean, there was, and, and I'm not saying it was the same one. Right. And that makes and it, sense. You know, right. But there, there was the framework mm-hmm. of the Patriot Act ready to go. Right. You have a that doesn't That doesn't mean that they were like, let's blow something up so we can get this through. <laughs> right, and which is where a lot of people take that. Correct. It means that they had a terrorist attack. They thought of a way to address it. They didn't necessarily get that through, but when another terrorist attack had, they had the framework. Yeah, and they uh, said, uh, let's try this now. Yeah, let's try it now. I think it would work. I mean, that's, yes. you know, that's, not a, that's not a nefarious conspiracy, but F- it does show how FDR works. did not trust the Japanese. He did not trust the Japanese. He sent people out to find out if we needed to do internment camps before December 7th. Do we need to do internment camps for the Japanese? Find out. The general came back and said, nope, they're good Americans. We don't need to do it. He didn't have the political capital to do it. September, I mean, December 7th, 1941, that gave him the political capital to be able to say, we're going to do this because of that, even though he had that idea before December 7th. Was it a conspiracy that December 7th? Yeah, there are those people who say, see, he caused it. He knew it was going to happen. No, he didn't. Well, well, he may have known it was going to happen, but I, I don't know that he, he, he well, let he it knew happen a strike for... Yeah, he knew a strike was chance. coming. Yeah, he did. He didn't know he did. and say, uh, everybody look over here. Yeah. And in a way, did, these things, this can be a positive, right? I mean, like, you wouldn't necessarily want... Um, a, a a tragedy to happen, and then to say, "All right, let's start thinking of new ideas right now in the midst of this and pass them." You'd want it to be a little bit more thought out than that. You'd hope that they'd it put some thought into how to job. stop. Right, it is their, their job. job. It's the same thing with the Iraq War. They were like, "Well, they drew up plans for the Iraq War uh, before 9/11." 
Well, it's like, well, yeah, they should have a plan to invade everywhere just in case the idea comes up and they need to put it into effect. Especially countries that are shooting at our aircraft. (laughs) Should we have a plan to evade Canada? No. If I find out that there's a plan to invade Canada for no reason, well, no. But the minute Canada becomes hostile to us, is there a plan to say, what do we do in case the border becomes uh, a place of unrest? There better be. Okay, there better be something yeah. there because that's a possibility. Well, right. and, and, what about just taking care of the curling problem? What about just oh, you got to stop? Just right? Yeah, you got to stop. Stop curling. the curling yeah, problem. It's a stone and ice. Yeah, Get over it. On. And it's stop. a broom. Stop, stop it. sweeping the ice. But stop with, it. with the military budget we have, I would argue there should be. I don't know. A few people sitting around thinking about what if we have to uh, we have to invade Iceland. That that we should have that plan somewhere in a drawer just in case we have to do it. What we have the resources for that. That might be our biggest problem. I will tell you. Nobody talks about. I will tell you that there is not a plan to invade Iceland, but I can guarantee you there's an expert on Iceland whose job is to only think about Iceland. That he would be the first one that we called if something happened, and he'd be like, you know what? That's crazy. I've been thinking about this. (laughs) <laughs> I've been thinking about yes, because that's all you do. Right. You're just focused on Iceland. That's what should happen. Mm-hmm. This is not what Keith Ellison is saying. No, he seems to be thinking that uh, it's weird because he doesn't. He's smart enough to know that he's in front of a bunch of people, so he doesn't actually. Play it again. Yeah. However, he walked up to that line many times. Very tough. Play it. it. Play that again. This time. Because remember 9/11, right? You would never have all this discrimination against religious minorities. Uh, and, but for 9-11, I mean, you, know, you had it, but you didn't have it to the degree that we have it now. All, 9-11 is this, is this juggernaut event in American history, and it, it allows, I mean, it's almost like, you know, the Reichstag fire kind of reminds me of that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so 9-11 is the Reichstag fire. It reminds me of the Reichstag fire. Well, if you know anything about the Reichstag fire, and he's about to explain that, that was a total setup. Mm-hmm. That was a, the Reichstag fire, we believe, was started by the Nazis. Of course, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's what he's obviously insinuating. That's what there. he's insinuating. I mean, you could, he would probably argue, what I was trying to say is they took advantage of it like the Nazis took advantage of, of that. Not necessarily that they right. caused it. But do uh, we but, think that, so, so what you're saying is, you want to talk about a conspiracy theory. What you're saying is, replace Bush with Obama. That a tragedy happened... And Barack Obama said, I can finally get control of everybody's email. I can finally get control of everybody's phone calls. I can get rid of warrants where I don't want to. I can start dropping drones on people. I'll have control of everything. I'll be able to take the NSA. That, you think the press would accept Someone saying that about Barack Obama? No. You'd be the biggest conspiracy theorist on the planet. And this isn't just a commentator. This is the guy they want to run the DNC. He's a U.S. congressman. Mm -hmm. And and to be fair to uh, Keith Ellison, to give him a little bit of a break here, the man is saying things that were mainstream Democrat positions at that time. You go back to polling through that era, you'll find 40, 50 percent of Democrats believe just that. Uh, and sometimes the majority of Democrats believed those things that Bush 
uh, did 9-11 and he was responsible for it, or at the very least overlooked at, uh, overlooked it. Katrina took advantage of it, didn't care. He hates black people. Uh, There were a million of these conspiracies that were mainstream Democratic positions for the typical voter. And while he might be a little bit out of step with what they want in the press at that time, he was not out of step with the people who were voting for him. Now, the the press wonders why Republicans and conservatives don't trust them and feel the way we feel because of that. And this is why I said we have a third time at bat. First one happened with George Bush and the Democrats went off the rails and we stopped listening to them. And then Barack Obama got in and we went off the rails and they stopped listening to us. It's time to get it right this time. It's time to get it right. But you must call each play equally. If you don't, it's going to get much worse. And now this. Um, Simply Safe wants to make sure that your home is safe over the holidays. This is the time of the year when criminals come in and try to steal the things that you're in, in your home. Right now, Simply Safe has a brand new security apparatus, a new device that can connect into your Simply Safe system, and it's all wireless. It's a new camera, the Simply Safe security camera. If it detects something, the camera records it. So somebody comes home, you get the recording. Somebody tries to open a window, you get the recording. A glass breaks, you get the recording. So you know exactly what happened. Now, if somebody opens up the door and they're not supposed to and the alarm goes off, it automatically calls police, but it also, it also has the uh, recording. So you see the face of whoever it is. When police come, you could show it to them. The new security camera, you can see everything that happens at your home and it is all wireless. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. Check out their new cameras today at SimplySafeBeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We have welcome back to the program. We have a we have a couple of things uh, going on uh, this weekend. Saturday we have the big M one ball, uh, which we would love to have you come to. Mercury um, One, your charity. Yep, Mercury One, our charity. This is our fundraiser for the year to pay for the lights and everything else, so we can keep uh, doing the things that we do. And we uh, have an auction right now. If you go to uh, mercuryone.org slash M one ball, you can register to win a brand new Mercedes. It's like a one in 3,000 chance. That's pretty darn good. Um, somebody's going to win it Saturday. It might as well be you. Um, tickets, all the money goes to uh, Mercury One, and we, we, we just we can't thank um, enough 
um, the uh, Mercedes-Benz of Plano that, that actually gave us this Mercedes to be able to auction off. We want to thank them for that. But all you have to do to register is go to um, Mercury One. Uh, dot org slash m1 ball and then you can also see if you're in the area on saturday we'd love to come and and uh, be with you we all have tables pat's do jeffy me my wife uh all of us dana is going to be the host uh gosh who else is going to be there uh, sarah, sarah evans sarah evans the country artist is going to be singing um and we have a big auction david barton will be there if you would like to join us that's saturday Join us for our fundraiser at mercuryone.org slash m1ball. That's this Saturday. By the way, the online ticket sales end tonight at 11.55 p.m. The raffle for the car tonight at 11.55 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the ball if you're attending. But online ends tonight at 11.55 at mercuryone.org. Made a big uh, fashion splash yesterday, Glenn. I Hope think it's. I'm. I'm looking it up now. I had no idea. Yes. Well, I mean, we already know you're the 100th most pers- um, important person in the world of art. Amen. That's that. Amen. Uh, the uh, the internet yesterday apparently noticed um, an interesting outfit that you wore at some point, uh, which you know you had the kind of what's how would you describe this hat? It's a Stetson. A Stetson hat with the the dark sort of the light sort of sunglasses the i don't know if I, it's a scarf but you wear it in a way that we always know this yes. is me this is me yes. i think this was taken on the campaign trail so i was out in wherever uh iowa, iowa. or someplace mm-hmm. and i i was coming in and that's why i had that coat on i had a what i mean all i have is a sweater a coat <laughs> a cold scarf and a hat the only thing weird maybe the glasses because they're from like the 1920s and the hat. So two of the four things you just mentioned are the only weird things. Three: the hat, the the I'm sorry, the jacket, the sweater, and the and the scarf are not weird. The, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, the scarf is weird. Yeah, scarf is weird. Uh, the, uh, who doesn't yeah. wear? Yeah. You're in the cold. You wear a scarf. You differ with it is, the scarf. Yeah, that's the scarf is weird. The scarf slash ascot is. Uh, it's not an ascot. It's a, it's a scarf. It's a scarf. It is, scarf. So it is not a scarf, Scott. Dangerously scarf close to an ascot. It sure is. Dangerously close. An ascot is a little teeny thing that you put underneath. Hey, your I know. An ascot is almost, ascot almost like a dicky. Guys are just the hat. You guys glasses. The ascot. It's not an ascot. It's a cold weather scarf. You just said it's not an ascot. It's a scarf, Scott. Oh my gosh. Not so, a, 
Glenn, uh, so the w- internet went crazy with you. Uh, just this is not even a crazy outfit. I mean, it's not. A, I, this is what I was gonna say. Like, right. This has been a running joke on this show for at least for a years. Decade. At least yeah, years. We have been um, hammering you over your eccentric clothing. I am uh, the weirdest dresser on the planet, and I embrace it. I know you do. Um, I, it's you know, I felt like you know, like let's just say you you started a movement uh, politically, and you you fought through. All of the, you know, the, the tough, you know, alliance building and trying to get people to come to your rallies and trying to get people to support and you get donations. And then you rise all the way up and, and finally people take notice. I feel like that's what's happened yesterday and that we have dedicated ourselves for 10 years to criticize the clothing that you wear. And well, finally, the larger people, uh, the, the larger group of people around the country are, are joining us in this effort. And and I think it's, I mean, it's, you know, you, you oh, uh, no, I, I'm not taking these latecomers. I'm not taking it from these latecomers. <laughs> it you, was, you, uh, you know, you, you want to make fun of the way I dress. You should have been on that bandwagon. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking these people who are like all of a sudden. I do like this. If what is woke Beck, by the way, I guess I have, was that Glenn woke up? This is a, yeah, this is, is a, this is, Beck. this is a thing that's now going around on the left that. Um, wow, Glenn Beck is awake. No, oh, jeez. I don't think it's necessarily about you. It's about, like, the term itself is like you've woken up to the, I don't know, social reality or, or something. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about they wake up to a few things? Right. But anyway, woke Beck, <laughs> woke Beck looks like he so owns a Japanese ceramic store in Silver Lake. <laughs> you do look like you own a Japanese ceramic store. What is a Japanese ceramic store? I don't know, but it's you. Japanese it's you in that picture. Japanese ceramic. I would rather be working at a Japanese ceramic place than right than here right now, quite honestly. <laughs> I love this one. Uh, woke Glenn Beck looks like he now knows every coffee shop in Portland, Oregon, and has personally personally That's, rated them yes, on a yes. scale from one to Mumford and Sons. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> what does it say? Woke Glenn Beck looks like he now ha- oh, uh, knows every coffee shop in Portland, Oregon, and has personally rated them all on a scale from one to Mumford and Sons. <laughs> That's great. Very good. That's a good line. Yeah, okay, so article um, of all the jokes. Um, woke Beck looks like what Neocon Beck imagined Woke Beck might look like. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. Glenn Beck has evolved into a middle-aged lesbian. <laughs> I mean, facts are this facts. Is not, this is not funny. Yeah, it, it really is. Great. These are classics. <laughs> Glenn Beck looks like he... That is a middle-aged lesbian That's look exactly right there. exactly what that is. Glenn Beck looks like he owns a healing crystal store. <laughs> oh, it looks like he's... He looks like he's Joaquin Phoenix performance art. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the ascot. Yes, I think it is, is the ascot. ascot. I will say, guys, do if, you not? I was in Nebraska or wherever. I know, which you is don't, strange why you would wear an ascot there, but it's that's not an ascot. <laughs> I was. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of of where I was because I don't recognize anything or anybody in that I, picture. No, this is an old picture because you're not you're not in Texas. This is not. I think it is the campaign. Probably. Yeah, I think it is. So it was cold. So I'm wearing a. I'm wearing a camp. I mean, I'm wearing a, a a winter scarf. That's just a winter scarf. You buy them at stores. You wear it in a way. Uh, yeah. In a scarf scot way. I don't know how to explain yes, it do. other than it looks like a scarf scot because you uh, now. 
I've seen people wear it like that, but then it's like their jacket's kind of closed over it, so you can't necessarily tell. You, a lot of times, will have you that out. You've worn it on the air. I mean, yeah. there are, these people need to go back and look. Right. We've had all sorts of oh my gosh. exposés on your outfits. It's got to be 20 times. The Internet can be pleased for months and months to come by our, the work we've already Absolutely. done on this topic. <laughs> I'm just so proud of them. I'm so proud. <laughs> I get so proud when people finally come along to your cause. And uh, people are seeing it. I'm woke, you're saying it. woke Twitter is finally coming around. The woke Twitter is suddenly <laughs> Pat, Stu, and Jeffy. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh man, I, I, uh, I, I were you um, happy that people are noticing your fashion sense finally? Because I mean, you're already the 100 most important person in art, but they necessarily in fashion. I think this might cross the line. I think you might finally get that done. I deserve it. You certainly deserve it. Absolutely. It's amazing that this is a weird thing to everybody. Though. I know. Because, I mean, it's just, it's been... It's yeah, you've time. been dressing like this since, what, the late 60s? I mean, it's been a long time. It's yeah. been a long time. Well, it's well been dressing that way the planet. Th- through the entire transition from male to lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the entire internet going crazy over the fact that Steve Forbes supports a flat tax. Like, we got it. He's been on this for a long freaking time. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to see it. Now, more, I'm more happy to see, however, yeah. uh, the pie caken that you have. Oh, you're not getting any now. I just, I just said that you're talking about. We, we, we were, we're we praising. Just, People are noticing your wonderful outfits. Just, <laughs> no, no, no. Just, I just that's said it was about time saying. people noticed. Not, that's not what you're saying. But uh, anyway, I, I so you are making fashion. You have, you've always said we need to reach out to the left. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Uh, look, <laughs> you are dressing like someone, as many people pointed out, a hipster from Brooklyn all of a sudden. It's no, not it's all of a sudden. sudden and I, I don't know what a hipster in Brooklyn looks like. You. Look at the picture. You in that picture. So maybe Brooklyn is dressing like me. I think that's possible because possible. you have definitely led the road for this. This is long time. Yes, we should actually put up. You need to be. Uh, rem- need to I be remember you Project saying. Runway. I remember. I remember you guys saying years ago. Mm-hmm. Vests are going to definitely come back in. Mm-hmm. Oh no, seriously, cardigans. Those are coming back. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Seriously, that hat. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that worked. That worked in the 1950s. It's yes. going to work again. I, you guys have been saying that to me for oh, yes. over a, a decade. Oh, yes. a long time. So I'm not going to hear about any of this hipster stuff. They caught up with me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that. So how do you feel now, hipsters? You're dressing like Glenn Beck. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, if you wish, Glenn, because I know that's a uh, that's a great point. We can go back and find some evidence. That would support uh, from past. I thought you wanted some pie cake. I do, but you derailed me back to this. And now I'm, <laughs> now you're thinking that that would be helpful to me. I think you're aware that yes. you can throw me off of any topic by just bringing the conversation back to pie cake. So just if do you it. don't know what pie cake is, it is the greatest thing. My sister sent me a picture and um, I told her, I said, you've got to make mm. a quick video of how you made this. Look at that. Now, this is. Oh. A, this is a chocolate fudge cake with an actual, I think that's a raspberry, raspberry. pie, yeah. which she mm. bakes. Mm. Then oh you, you bake, you make the pie, you bake the pie. Yeah. Then you put the batter in for the, the, the cake. 
you place the pie on top of the batter and then pour additional cake batter oh, over man. it. Oh my so God. when you slice it, there is a pie inside the cake. <laughs> that looks amazing. So I have, I have Matthew making one today because to, on tomorrow's show, listen to me, on tomorrow's show, you may not get any. But I want you I find want you find the flattering pictures of me. <laughs> I, I told you not to make exist. fun of Glenn Stu. <laughs> well, they don't. They don't. But you get to you go to a you go to one of our our airbrush artists here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I have Matthew making one of those today, and he's making all of the turkey and stuffing and everything because tomorrow on tomorrow's show we're going to have. Thanksgiving leftovers the way I have them. Oh, nice. And I make turkey and dressing leftovers waffles. You make them leftover Thanksgiving waffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked about that. Leftover Um, Thanksgiving waffles. And so this being our last day before the vacation tomorrow, uh, we're going to celebrate by Santa we're just gonna do, we're, yeah like i'm the, gonna show you some of the like things it. i'm gonna give you my like my it. wife's stuffing which is my wife's stuffing is the best stuffing ever i think um but he's making some of that uh and uh, we're just gonna have like a little thanksgiving and, and we will show tomorrow are we gonna have the actual thanksgiving stuff today then so that no. the food tomorrow is actually leftovers no, there won't <laughs> there aren't such things as leftovers at your house well, that's, that's true. A lot of leftovers is what you right, There are some leftovers. Is the pie cake in how did I grow up in a bakery and not think of the pie cake in years ago? I find this, I find this offensive. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> my family did not think of this. The pie cake in is a play kind of off the turducken. Yes. The yeah. turducken is a turkey, duck, and chicken. Yes. So what is the in yeah. of the, the pie cake in? A pie cake in is pie and cake. There's not... In my tummy. <laughs> it is pie and cake right in here. Okay, yes. Pie cake in here. Right. I like that. There is something, that, you know, the internet has done a lot of things. Number one, it's helped us all understand Glenn's wardrobe. Number two. Uh, well, it divides us. It brings us together. It does. It does bring us together. The, the, the Pinterest world has created so many oh, delicious Pinterest. things that I want to yes. eat. And in most of it, it's yes. just combining things I already eat. It's the way it all ends up in my stomach anyway. Exactly just, right. They put it on the plate that way. It's That's fantastic. right. Instead of eating it separately, why not eat it in one delicious bite? <laughs> you know what I mean? It is fantastic. Now, if I can find a way to bake the ice cream into the pie cake and... No, the ice cream's got to be cold. You want that ice cream cold. No, I know. We've got to find hot. a way to keep that cold while everything is hot. So you just slice it. Because, honestly... If I have a slice of pie cake and ice cream, uh, it's not so bad. I'm just going to have one slice. But if I take and I have a plate and I have to have a slice of pie, a slice of cake, and then I go and scoop some ice, ice cream, cream on it, then I feel like a pig. Right. Uh, this reminds me of a, a treat. That's why Halloween. That's why Halloween is the greatest. I hated this as a kid. I always wanted. I didn't want the fun size. I remember thinking that's not fun. But now that I'm older, yeah, you realize it now is. I can eat 40 fun sizes without feeling like a pig. Because I only just had a couple, you know, I just had... Had a bite. I had 40 bites, okay? I just had a few bites. That's the way I do it. It adds up to one actual candy bar. That's all that is. No, 40 fun sizes is not one candy bar. That's not even one candy bar. Maybe half a But I don't feel... Let me tell you something. I feel bad taking one bag of king-size M&Ms. I feel bad. 
I'm like, oh, geez, I shouldn't eat this. Look how fat I am. But I can walk by, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, right. the kid's candy bag. Take about five and of reach those little ones. And take five of those little <laughs> ones, and I'm totally fine with it. I am totally fine Good with it. I've never done I don't that, know, I'll tell you that. I, I don't know what it is, but I am totally cool with it. Before the end of the show, I need to tell you about uh, uh, milk and cream in Dallas. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. This was the, one of the most amazing experiences. Okay, well, hang on. Hey, wait, wait. Oh let, me gosh, yes. let me pay for some bills here so we can afford to go to, what is it, pie and cream? Milk and cream. Milk, milk and cream. cream. Oh, my God. Okay, let me quickly tell you about American Financing Corporation. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You all right, Jeffy? I don't know why you do that every time after that, Jeffy, but holidays can be a time of joy, but the holiday season is also a time when some people feel really, really depressed if you're in debt. I know, brother, I have been there. But there is something you can do about it, something that will help you get through it. American Financing will consolidate your high-interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. Now, the, high, the interest rates are at all-time lows right now. They're saying, the Fed is saying, that they're going to raise interest rates next month. I don't know how they're going to do that. And if it does, boy, we've got bigger problems. But get the interest rates while they're at these lows. It's a great time to refinance and consolidate your debts. Lowering your interest rate can save you as much as $500 to $1,000 every month. American Financing, their mortgage consultants are salary-based. They specialize in solutions, not counting commissions. And if you want to buy a home or refinance, take advantage of the low interest rates. But don't wait. Please do it now. Call 866-750-6551 or go to AmericanFinancing.net, 866-750-6551. America's home for home loans is AmericanFinancing.net. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Okay, this place, Milk and Cream in Dallas. There's a few across the country. They sell delicious gourmet ice cream, a million different flavors with toppings, as you'd expect. It's already good. But what they do is they put it in an ice cream sandwich. But the ice cream sandwich is gl- are glazed donuts. So they make donut ice cream sandwiches. And then the donuts are warm while the ice cream is cold. Oh, my. So if you think about what's going on with the process of each bite, you're hitting the sweetness of glaze, then into the sort of... A richness of that. You don't have to talk bread. me into it. You then, had me at it. Then you hit the Hello. coldness, the ice cold of the ice cream, then back into the toppings, then back into the, the warmness of the donut again. Who doesn't say, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, left. You've had this wrong. America isn't the greatest place on earth. This is why people are coming across our borders in droves. Proof. The ice cream sandwich with hot donuts. Oh, oh my gosh, I love this country. The Glenn Beck Program. 
or the turtle tunnels or the teapot museum. Oh, those were the days. And then we outlawed. We said no more of these earmarks. But the GOP has control of the House and the Senate and the White House, and they know how much we look forward to those turtle tunnels. And they were supposed to vote on bringing earmarks back today. But then you heard about it. And Paul Ryan said, oh, well, we're not going to vote on that right now. Oh, that's good. The guy who actually spearheaded the effort to stop it in the first place is also one of the senior advisors, one of the one of the big guys behind the conventions of the convention of states. He says we're really only one state away from making this a reality. Tom Coburn joins us right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we are one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are one. Welcome, former Oklahoma Senator Tom Coburn to the Glenn Beck program. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm fine, Glenn. When you saw the GOP yesterday starting to go and put earmarks back in as a way to direct um, uh, pork barrel spending back into their uh, districts, what went through your mind? Oh, careerism, career politicians. Uh, you know, it's, it's important people not understand how earmarks work. Earmarks work because a city wants something, uh, which is really not in the enumerated powers of the federal government to do in the first place. They hire a lobbyist or somebody hires a lobbyist. They give to your campaign, and then they ask for, well, the city needs this. You'll look good at home. This has got to be a priority for you because you represent these people. So it's the it's the old idea that people are you know, as soon as you know you can buy, you can get anything you want from the federal government, you lose your freedom. And so this arrogance of power that says, I will supply what my district needs rather than what's in the best interest of the country, which is their oath, has nothing to do with their local district, which is their oath, is the thing that will spell disaster for a country. And it has already. You know, they, the, the career politicians will tell you we need this to get things through Congress. We agrees with the skids. You know, so you had to buy somebody's vote by giving them money to spend at home. Uh, number two is if we eliminated all earmarks, which we still haven't, even though they say they have, if you eliminated all earmarks, actually you'd make Congress could start doing their job. The other thing you hear from members of Congress is, well, the administration has the power to do this. No, all you have to do is put in your appropriation bills that they won't do any of this stuff without getting approval from Congress. But they won't do that. So, you know, it's laziness, it's careerism, it's elitism, and it's contemptuous in terms of what – even having a vote on it tells you that they're totally not connected with the American people and that they're connected with the next election. Former U.S. Senator Dr. Tom Coburn, um, Tom, when you're looking at what's happening now – I heard Paul Ryan, who was not for Donald Trump, 
um, now ecstatic and say he said yesterday that this is a new dawn in America and um, the Republicans are are it's a new day for even the Republican Party. Um, and it sounded pretty excited. A lot of people are really excited. Is this something that you would look on and say, man, it would be great to be in the Senate right now? Or are you expecting more of the same? What do we expect from what do you think is happening with the Republican Party? I don't think much. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, the president-elect can give the leadership to cause people to make hard decisions instead of easy ones for their reelection. Uh, but I don't know that anything happened on the no- 8th of November to do spinal transplants in most of the career politicians in Washington. Uh, you know, what, what, what the earmarks vote is is cowardice. It's, it's about me and not about our country. That's, you know, and to me it is so disappointing. First of all, are they tone deaf? Did they not hear what this election was all about, draining I don't the think swamp? It- I don't think anybody did. I really don't. I don't think the media. It, it, it I don't just think tells the. Tells you why we have to have a convention of states to offer amendments to limit the scope, the power, and the jurisdiction of the federal government. You know, here here you have the party that's in control wanting to vote to restore one of the most corrupt systems there ever was, that only really benefits the politician. Because for any earmark I might have gotten, I had to give an earmark to 99 other senators, and I had to look the other way to be able to do it. And I never got an earmark once for Oklahoma or my district. I refused to do that. I refused to fall into that. So, you know, to me, it's the corruption of careerism. And when I'm talking corruption, I'm talking about not upholding your oath to the U.S. Constitution to understand that there are enumerated powers for the federal government, and those powers are supposed to be limited. There's no reason for a member of Congress or a U.S. senator to be directing money to be spent in their state. What they should be doing is lessening the tax burden and let the states figure out where they want to spend the money. So you're you're looking at the convention of states. And do you believe that the uh, Trump presidency has made this more likely or less likely to happen? Well, I don't know, Glenn. Uh, I, I don't think it's less likely because you just saw, here's the greatest example in the world why we need it. Here's the, the supposed fiscal conservatives now want to reintroduce earmarks. So I, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is if, in fact, there's not big change over the next two years in the behavior in Washington and liberty is lost again and money is spent that we don't have that we're borrowing from future generations, the election in two years from now is going to be very difficult for those in charge. Tom, uh, you know, I look at the situation. We, we had a story out of Australia today and one two days ago out of India where Citibank is doing what India uh, just did. And they're limiting cash and they're getting rid of the, you know, the $10 bill in India. In India. Citibank announced uh, yesterday or tomorrow uh, that uh, in Australia many of their banks will be entirely cashless. And the world seems to be going to a cashless society because, quote, it's good for business and good for the banks and security. I, I, I just have this fear as we, get, we start going down this road, the, all this stuff is going to collapse and the people are not going to go for another bailout. The banks have already worked it out with the government to have a bail-in Things can radically, radically change quickly. 
Do you agree with that? Well, I think they can. I, the question is, is uh, how do you prevent that? And the way you prevent it is you start right now with a new president and a new Congress not spending money that you don't have on things that you don't need. And so whether they manipulate whether we have a currency or not, that's a symptom of the underlying problem. Right now, Glenn, the unfunded liabilities for America is $144 trillion. It grew by $4 trillion last year. That's a million dollars per taxpayer. That's $24 trillion more than the entire worth of the country. So when people say there's no problem, we can borrow money, you can borrow money as long as people are willing to loan it to you. But history shows us that both democracies and republics that borrow money at, at a rate greater than their GDP fail. And so has every other republic before us failed? Yes. Will we fail? Yes. If, in fact, we don't have real courageous moral leadership. Well, we don't that have you that. You don't spend the future's money. We don't have that. So that's why the... the <clears throat> project of uh, states is so important. The convention of states is so important. The, um, uh, the Constitution gives us a way out. I, I am a full-fledged backer of this. I, I can't, I mean, I think this is the answer. There's a lot of Republicans, at least here in Texas, that say, oh, it's not bad enough to use, you know, Article 5. I don't know what they would be waiting for, um, but there's a lot of people that are um, you know, the, the, the business as usual people don't want this to happen. We are now in a situation where we're one state away from making this happen. We're once, well, I, I, there was a report, and maybe you, maybe you know this fact, Senator, but uh, there, there were, were one, one state away from having enough Republicans in control of legislatures that if they all passed it, you could do it essentially without any Democrats stopping it. Right, but but it really is a bipartisan thing. It's not, yes. you know, I, we have a lot of Democrats supporting what we're doing. Right. I think that here, you know, here's the main And point. you have a lot of what? Republicans that are sticking the muds. Well, but <laughs> again, that's what a grassroots movement's all about, right. changing right. that. Right, right, right. So, so here's, here's the point. You, you have this example right after election November 8th that the, the status quo elite careerists in Washington all of a sudden want to bring back a tool of corruption. So they're tone deaf. So the only thing, the only tool America has that's big enough to fix the problem that we have is an Article Five Convention of Amendments, where amendments are made that that re- brings power back to the state, that limits the stupidity that's going on in Washington today. Remember, every year, every year, five hundred billion dollars is thrown out the window in Washington. Total waste, total duplication, total fraud. That's a half a trillion dollars a year. Well, had we had really strong members of Congress, I don't care what party they're from, that took their oath seriously, we wouldn't have that. We'd be have $500 billion more a year that we wouldn't be taxed for or we wouldn't be borrowing against for our kids. So the only tool we have is an Article Five Convention of States, and the American people have to know that here's the greatest example you can see. Here's the, the tone deafness, the elitism, the careerism, we want to enhance our own personal power by using earmarks to look good at home, to collect money for campaigns, to enhance our future as a career politician. I mean, listen, Mitch McConnell, first thing he said after, after the president-elect said about term limits, he said, we're not bringing term limits up. No, he's not going to bring term limits up. He's been there 30 years. Why would he bring term limits up? 
and he's part of the problem. So, so the people who say that, well, especially now, the Democrats are freaking out, and they would love to open up that Constitution. What, well, they what don't do you have s- the power to do that. An Article Five convention, by law and Supreme Court precedent, has only the power to discuss what's in its application. So a convention of states has an application for the financial aspects of federal government, i.e. a balanced budget amendment using generally accepted accounting principles. Number two, term limits on members of Congress and appointed members of the government. And number three, limiting the scope, power, and jurisdiction of the federal government. So there's only three areas, so you can't open it up. And it's not a constitutional convention. It's a convention for amendments to the Constitution that we have. Right, but we couldn't do what, let's say, what they did, you know, in the last progressive era, and I'm not suggesting anybody wants to do this, but you couldn't come in and say, I want prohibition. No, you couldn't do any of that, because it doesn't have anything to do. You, you can only have a meeting by precedent, by history, and, and, and by common sense, what is listed in your application, and all the applications have to match. So there's no there's no risk whatsoever zero nada of a quote runaway convention and there never has been one. I don't but think you can make that the point. People against this always use oh well we'll probably use some of the right. Well that's the elitist power hungry group that wants to continue things the way it is that have us bankrupt as a nation. Uh, you know look at median family income. Median family income dropped seven thousand dollars under this president. <laughs> Wow. That means 50% of the people are making $7,000 in real dollars less a year than oh they gosh. were before he became president. But it's also a lot of uh, frightened conservatives, Senator, because they are worried that, uh, that, which is why you can't make the application point enough, because they're worried that, that they're going to try to, you know, to, uh, eliminate the Second Amendment. Well, or... here's, here's the thing they ought to worry about. We have a runaway federal government right now. Why don't you worry about that? <laughs> Rather than the, and the people that are promoting the fear, they lack courage. There is no mm-hmm. there is no fear in doing the right thing. There's a yeah. lot of fear hunkering down, saying, "Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid," and consequently, we go down the tubes. So you get a mm-hmm. choice: you can either stand up and fight for your liberty and fight for your rights and fight for a limited federal government like was intended. Or you can continue to let the federal government control 70% of everything in our economy and in our states. I can't, um, I can't recommend highly enough that you get involved uh, with the Convention of States project. I, I think this is the uh, answer. This is the way to give the power back to the people. This is what we've been looking for, and time is of the essence. Uh, And we're making great progress. If we sure need you on the battlefront here in Texas, if people want to get involved, uh, Tom, how do they do it? They go to conventionofstates.com. They can find out. They can volunteer there. They can find out. They can ask any question they want. It's already been answered on that website. We address all these things that people are worried about and talk about why those can't happen. And they allow you to hook up with somebody locally in both your county, your district, your voting district, your congressional district, or your state house district or your state senate district. And then become involved so you can actually influence your legislator to vote for this. Tom, thank you very much. Tom Coburn, uh, former uh, senator. God bless you. Have a good Thanksgiving, sir. Uh, It is uh, it's 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 critical. You really want to drain the swamp. They're not going to do it in Washington. They will do it this way conventionofstates.com. He's an 
awesome spokesman for that. He is. That's, he is. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Change is coming. Now, how do you prepare for the worst? And as uh, I read in an article, prepare for the worst and, and, and hope for the best of the next four years. How do you do that? Well, my Patriot Supply would like to um, help you out on that. One-year emergency food supply is $997. Now, that is about half off. Call 800-946-2325. That's the lever. 800-946-2325. We just did this. It's such a weight off your shoulders. Did you do another year? Huh? Yeah, so did we. Yeah. Um, It is, uh, this is the best price I've ever seen. And this is, this, I mean, you want three months... Everybody should have 72 hours of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's bare minimum. The next level is to have three months worth of food. Then you go to six months, then you go to a year. If you have a family of four and you can afford it, buy this. This is the best deal I've ever seen. And buy, it takes care of three months for a family of four. It's right. awesome. And if you can just get one of these, you have a family of four. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for every member of the family for three solid months. And the entire day's worth of meals is about... $2.27 a day. That's unbelievable. Call 800-946-2325. 800-946-2325. One year of emergency food supply from my Patriot Supply. Preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Welcome to the uh, program. Do you have Scalia on the Convention of States? Yeah, they're just quotes, but okay. uh, they're they're great ones. I mean, listen to this. So, so Pat and I were just talking in the break that everybody is always saying, you know, you can't open the Constitution. That's going to lead. All- haven't you seen what's going on? They're going to grab the guns. They're trying to do that anyway. You can't open up the Constitution. That's not what this is. That's not the way it works. Here's Antonin Scalia on it. Yeah, he says the founders inserted an alternative method of obtaining constitutional amendments because they knew the Congress would be unwilling to give attention to the many issues people are concerned with, particularly those involving restrictions on the federal government's own power. How many times have we talked about this? This is exactly the way to think about this. They're never going to do these things on their own. You can't open up the Constitution into that kind of... (laughs) Haven't you seen what's going on? You're trying to grab the guns anyway. Now you can open up the Constitution. In any case, I do not have any great fear of an open convention since three-quarters of the states have to ratify what comes out of it. I mean, right there is... I mean, you never lose... Even if they could... Even if they could, Texas is not going to do something. You're not so going to get three quarters of the Utah, states to take Indiana, yeah. guns away. You're yeah. not. And again, have the block, right? And they and by the way, you still wouldn't. You wouldn't do a, an open convention. No, so you would have a limited convention, which is well, what. That's what I'm saying. Don't do an open con- convention. Then you open up the constitution. <laughs> I don't know where this person is from. 
but I it's so irritating the way they say constitution. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> you can read the whole thing. I just uh, sent it out at World of Stew on Twitter. But it's it's a uh, it's a great case, and Scalia supported it. He supported the idea of it, and of course, the founders supported it. They they saw the founders put it in because they saw this time coming. Yeah. Right. They knew that. Uh, the government would figure out it could take money from people and hand it out to all there the wrong people. There had to be a way to stop that. There had to be a way to stop it. And so this was the last thing they put in. And they said, wait, 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 we've given all the power to the government to check itself. But what happens if everyone in the government goes bad? We've got to give the power to the people to be able to check them. That's Article 5. Get involved. Conventionofstates.com. The Glenn Beck Program. conversation in the think tank the other day about things that you can do on Thanksgiving. Like, I do not like the idea that stores are open on Thanksgiving, except if I need to go buy butter or cream or something like that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, sure. Until you get into the equation. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And actually, I don't want anybody open on Thanksgiving. I like the idea that everything is closed on Thanksgiving. Oh, stop it with this. I hate this argument. I'm so sick of it. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll move on. Okay, good. That was easier than I thought. I thought we were going to have a conversation on it. What, what, why? Why? Well, because, you know, no one cares uh, about the people who actually are working on Thanksgiving. No one cares about the people at the electric company that are keeping your lights on. No one cares about the people who, you know, uh, about who the people who are at actually the have to be at get... the electric company that day. Yeah, oh, really? They, they can just leave the just entire leave? power plant unattended? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yes. It's pretty automated now. I don't know if you know about automated. Really? No security? Really? No, no security? Nothing. Nothing. Wow, what a wow, wonderful thing wow. that we can put that all in. All the police stations shut no, down I'm for saying, business? Look at, look at, it's like this. If you're religious and you're so religious you don't play sports on the Sabbath. You don't. Well, then you don't, unless you're a NFL football player or coach, and then you realize, well, that's my job. Unless you're a doctor and you're on call on Sunday, well, that's my job. Right, and I think, like, for example, the NFL, of course, a huge part of Thanksgiving for most normal people, Glenn. Yes. Uh, they play, and they all have to go and leave their families and travel across the country to go play on Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, that's but no their job. Job. No one sheds no, That's their job. You don't have to go. We Do we have to go shopping? Can't we have... One day. You know what's amazing? You can. And you can choose to stay home Shut with up. your family. <laughs> and then those people... Uh, you no, 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 no. Don't make this into shopping. like I'm a dictator trying to tell everybody what to do. Well, I, I don't want to pass a law on right. it. I don't want the blue laws. But I don't... I, I really... Now, the reason why I brought this up... Yeah, sorry. I mean, this is not where I plan on going. The reason why I brought this up is I have a real problem with that. However, I want... To go to a movie right. on <laughs> yeah, right. Thanksgiving night. <laughs> right. Those are all automated, Glenn. Nobody works. Right. Nobody's working there. Nobody works. You know what I mean? The popcorn yeah. just pops itself, and 
You know, you buy the ticket online and scan it, right? Nobody's actually there. Yeah, no, surprisingly, people are. So I was going to say, I am diametrically opposed to myself, and you have me arguing with you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think a lot of people are. I mean, because I like, I think people like the idea of being with their families. I think we also have to price in the fact that a lot of people don't like it. You know, a lot of people have families like Jeffy, and they want to get the heck out of the room as fast as possible. So thank God there's something open so they can go somewhere. I thought they just wanted to go see the movie. No, it's really strange. You know, I, you know, got the big family and everything and no one is coming to grandma and grandpa's house this thanksgiving we're we're alone you're alone yeah just yep. me and tanya and the two kids that's it like really no relative stop nobody it. nothing don't not you have that. relatives that that live like approximately like on the premises on the yeah. yeah they're we're going down but all the relatives that are on, on you for years wow the snow in between our houses is in <laughs> texas they don't there's no snow. yeah it didn't work for me either but no they're going to you know they're going to the other relatives so right. it's it's weird going mm. you know being you know when i'm kind of actually digging that idea myself It'd be kind of nice to have a, a little yeah. chill Thanksgiving. Yeah, because everybody's going to be at the house for Christmas. Like, everybody's going to be at the house for Christmas. So I got a huge packed house on Christmas. So it'd be nice. Yeah, Thanksgiving is just food. Christmas is gifts. And that's where you want a lot of people. Right. Otherwise, I'm just paying for everybody's food. Right. This then, way, I'm paying for your food, but you better be bringing good stuff. Not to mention, they're eating food you could potentially eat, which that's is right. a real problem. That's, that's why right. you should, everyone should be isolated on Thanksgiving. That's what we're advocating. Yes. So anyway, so there's a lot of movies that are opening up. Have you guys heard of The Edge of Seventeen? Yeah. Uh, that looks so good. I don't good. know anything about it, but I've, I've... Oh, it looks so good. It's this girl uh, who's, you know, at the edge of 17, and... Um, I don't know exactly. I can't remember, but I, I remember that every time Tanya and I see it, we laugh hysterically. It's this awkward girl kind of coming into her teenage years and trying to find that balance of being, you know, a kid and a woman. Uh, and and it just looks very, very awkward and funny. Yeah, and there, you know, a lot of very sarcastic sense of humor. Yes. There's, they're comparing it to Juno, if you remember that movie from, mm. I don't know, 10 years ago, probably now. It's probably been 10 years since that came out, but, uh, you know, the one where, uh, where she was going to get an abortion and then yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. and, you know, that whole thing. Um, and it, that, which was also really well done. Yeah. So Everybody was, loved Juno. You know, it really starts this weekend, though, is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's going to be huge. That's a Harry Potter That's gonna related. Open, what, 150 million plus, 200 million movie? She didn't write this book first. She just wrote this as a movie, right? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think there's J.K. Rowling, but I don't think she, I don't think there's a book that goes along with it, which is weird. But, this is, uh, but I love, it looks great. I'm as, really I, good. I, I saw the first preview for this. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I saw the first preview good. for this. I mean, it looks like all the other Harry Potter movies. Yep. But it just struck me as like, I just had pride for her. For, I, for some reason, I just I received this warmly, which shows you what a capitalist I am, I guess. But she, she made this big deal about she's got these seven books and then it's over. And then she made the seventh book into two movies. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, guess what? Here's another continuation of the series. It's not Harry Potter, so I'm keeping that promise, but mm-hmm. give me another billion dollars. I, I just, there's something I just admire. And we will. And we will. We will, we will happily. Not only has she sold she is 450 the... million books and then had all of those movies to be amazing hits. They've grossed, I don't know, two and a half, three billion dollars worldwide. And then this, which, which is, is a bigger franchise, Harry Potter or Star Wars? In uh, the end, which one will be a bigger franchise? I uh, well, there's not. Well, it I depends. Don't know. You know, it's really amazing. Well, Yesterday, I did a, I did a, um, I did a his story. It airs, I think, right after Christmas on uh, John Lasseter and uh, Steve Jobs. 
And one of the amazing facts about Steve Jobs is when he bought Pixar, remember, that was a $125,000 computer and software system. But he bought it for, I think, $5 million because it it came with the building and it came with the 40 employees and everything else. Lucas was selling it because he was getting because he was getting a divorce and it was hemorrhaging money. Jobs buys that thing, puts fifty million dollars of his own money, and it loses all of it, and it hasn't produced anything. Toy Story um, is is purchased by uh, Disney, and Katzenberg says, "Hey, we'll we'll do this, you know, thing. We'll partner because he won't he can't hire Lasseter back." And he says, uh, so, you know what, I'll tell you what, I'll just hire you and Pixar. Why don't we do a movie together? And he says, what's the movie? And he said, Toy Story. Well, Katzenberg gets involved and destroys uh, Toy Story, makes Woody into a really mean guy. And Tom Hanks is in the recording booth and he's reading these lines and he's like, wow, this guy is a jerk. (laughs) And Lasseter knows that's the kiss of death. It's just not going to work if Woody is hated. So they shelve it, and Disney cancels it. And he says, Lasseter goes back and says, hey, you have nothing to lose. Let me rewrite it. Let me just put some of the original stuff back in. Let's see what happens. Well, it's a giant hit, but before it goes out, now this is a company that has lost tens of millions of dollars, and no one wanted to buy it. And it was purchased right after um, uh, Steve Jobs lost his gig at Apple, was in, what was it, Next, that, that computer yeah, program yes. that he did that was yeah. a bomb. Mm-hmm. He had sold all of his Apple stock for $50 million. He put his last dimes into Pixar. He goes, he sees the preview, uh, not even finished, of Toy Story, goes to Wall Street and says, I need an IPO for Pixar, and I need it the day, I need it the week after Thanksgiving this is going to open up on Thanksgiving. I need it the week after Thanksgiving. And the guy said, you don't, you're crazy. There's, you've never made a dime. Nobody's going to buy this. He said, trust me, they're going to buy it. And I want to open it $22 a share. He said, $22 a share? Let's talk maybe 10, maybe, maybe 14. I want $22 a share. He did it, put it all in motion. The movie opens up, massive opening, biggest uh, Thanksgiving weekend of any movie of all time at that time. Mm. They open up, the shares double in price, okay? So now it's Jeez. worth $44 a share by the end of the first day. Um, it's a massive success. Wow. Bob Iger leaves uh, Disney, which fired Bob Lasseter. Bob Lasseter brought all this stuff to them and said, hey, we should do all this stuff. They said, get out, get out. Um, and so they didn't listen to him. He and Steve Jobs put Pixar together, something else that nobody wants. Here's the final part of it that I love. Disney bought Pixar. It was a very short conversation, apparently, because Disney went to, Bob Iger went to Disneyland Tokyo and saw that all of the last 10 years, when Disney on Parade was going down Main Street in Disneyland Tokyo, he realized, that's Pixar, that's Pixar, that's Pixar. We got nothing. We got nothing. Everything is coming from Pixar. What are we doing? And so he came back and he said, he called up Steve Jobs and he says, I need to buy Pixar. How much you want for it? 
I don't know what the original number was, but basically Jobs said seven and a half billion. He put 50 million, $55 million of his own money into it, and he risked for four years, and he said seven and a half billion. Disney settled on $7.4 billion, and at the time of his death, Steve Jobs was the largest shareholder of Disney. Wow. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. It's incredible. It's a great story, though. Jobs and, and uh, the, when he got fired at Apple and, and the Pixar story is, is fascinating to me because the guy just... Yeah, and the, and the fired at Apple and the thing man. he did with Next where he didn't... He wasn't... He just puffed his chest out, basically. Yeah, he knew Apple was coming back and he yeah. knew yep. all I have to do... He knew he was back in. Right, is puff he my chest. Him. I mean, that guy, for, for the biggest... A hole on the planet. Yeah. Brilliant. But brilliant. Uh, two things related to this conversation. Number one, uh, Star Wars, $2.854 billion. Harry Potter, $2.391 billion. Really close. Wow. Close. Uh, although Star Wars, only, time. first of all, you got time, and I don't think this is adjusted for inflation, um, but also Harry Potter, nine movies, um, Star Wars, eight is what they're, they're counting here in this particular chart from uh, Box Office Mojo. Um, the highest gross ever they're counting is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is, you know, 14 movies, $4.2 right. billion. Highest average um, for, a, for, um, for movies, uh, The Avengers, $541 million. And The Dark Knight is after that. Um, secondly... You know what the problem is? May I just give yeah. DC Comics a little... I mean, DC Comics. If you just <laughs> listen to me, maybe you'll be successful, okay? <laughs> uh, so write this down, DC Comics. You know what the problem is with DC Comics? is A, they don't take their time for story development. They had to jam Wonder Woman into the yeah. Batman Superman. They don't take their time on story development like, mm-hmm. like Marvel does. Marvel does. And the second thing is, is stop rebooting Batman. And Spider- is tell, Spider-Man. Is yes, Spider-Man theirs too? Tell, yes, tell a new adventure of Batman. Yeah. I don't need to see the beginning of Batman over and over and over again. Really? Tell me a new story of Batman. Right. Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah. Is that his name? Christopher Nolan did the quintessential Batman. Don't wreck it. Let that be the basis of all Batmans. Why, why is it Marvel gets this and DC Comics just doesn't? They just don't see it. I don't know. Um, real quick, on, and you mentioned Tom Hanks uh, with his thing on Woody Allen. We should talk about this because... We've talked about with, you know, with Trump doing so well, you know, the Democrats have all the good celebrities. Yes. Um, listen to Tom Hanks's call. I mean, the Tom Hanks for president thing is happening. Let's just accept it. He's obviously going to be the president in the future. <laughs> listen to this. We are all going to be all right because we are constantly going to tell the world who we are. We constantly get to define ourselves as American. We do not. Uh, we do have the co- greatest country in the world. We move at a slow pace. We may have the greatest country in the world because we are always moving towards a more perfect union. That journey never ceases. It never stops. Sometimes, to quote a Springsteen song, it's one step forward, two steps back. But we will still aggressively move forward. We, uh, who, uh, we who are a week in, into wondering what the hell just happened will continue to move forward. We have to choose to do so. But we will move forward because if we do not move forward, what will be said of us? This is the United States of America. We'll go on. There's great like-minded people out there who are Americans first and Republicans or Democrats second. I hope the president-elect does such a great job that I vote for his re-election in four years. That's I mean, great. He is always in the. I mean, you know, great. he's had some moments where it's been kind of tough with 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 Hanks. Yeah, but if he, he wants to put have this shut thing his together, mouth about World War II, that was a big mistake. We're this is really good. If he tries to run and he does this right, I mean, we're screwed. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, he's got to win. Or we're saved. I mean, depending on what his policies right. are. I'm just assuming he's very... You know, yeah, I'm assuming he is they're too, but maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, he's, no. you know... Mm, yeah. mm. All right, now this. <laughs> uh, Trump wants to uh, label China as a currency ma- manipulator. Okay, but what happens if we do that? What does China do? He wants to lower taxes. That is fantastic. But what if spending isn't decreased at the same time and the debt becomes even larger? The Fed says they want to raise interest rates uh, in December. What happens when they do that? No one knows what the future holds. But I will tell you, in fact, I will tell you, I will read exactly what I wrote to my wife this morning. I said, uh, honey, hang on if I can find it here. Um, honey, I, uh, we have to talk about one thing. Here it is. Uh, one thing this uh, next week. I want to invest in Bitcoin and more gold. Bitcoin uh, has doubled in the last year. Gold, we need to put more money in. Um, di- divesting some of the bonds and stocks. Now, I'm not a guy who... I am not a guy who um, is a guy to listen to for uh, advice, but I will tell you the bond market is, it's over. It's, it's just over. It's only a matter of time. The entire game is coming undone. So what are you going to do? Listen to our first hour today where we told you what they're doing in Australia, where they are, they, Citibank just said many of their branches are no longer going to deal in cash, all cashless. Call Gold Goldline right now. One eight six six Goldline. One eight six six Goldline or Goldline.com. Call them now. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You don't want to miss tomorrow's show. Thanksgiving leftover waffles and pie cakin. Yes. All right, fine. Yes. Fine. Don't want to miss tomorrow. I mean, if you like food, you like to eat. Obviously, we don't. Look at us. Couldn't eat another bite. That's tomorrow. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.